What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to my shows that go out Monday through Friday, different threads that I post, links to the articles that I post on the weekend, all of my fantasy baseball content. You guys can find that on Twitter. So at JoeOrico99, hit the follow button there. Also really hoping that those of you who have not already done so will leave a five-star review on the show today. Whatever uh, app you use to consume it, or if you use a computer and go on the website, we'd really appreciate it if you guys could hit the five-star button. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, however it is you consume the show, really appreciate you guys hitting the five-star button. Today we're going to be looking back, pretty standard uh, for me, we're going to be looking back on some of the bigger performances from yesterday, some of the top-performing players and what I suggest to do with them, some of them are guys that are already going to be on rosters. Some of them are guys who are not so popular, some lower-profiled names that had big games yesterday. So we'll touch on a few position players and a few pitchers. We'll look ahead to a couple of the more intriguing pitching matchups today, a lot of day games on the slate. So we'll take a look at some of the games I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And then we will look at the waiver wire and a couple of the more added and dropped players you guys, if you didn't see my thread this morning on Twitter, Matthew Liberatore of the St. Louis Cardinals, he'll be starting today against the Cubs. I went into an extended thread, I think about 10 tweets worth, uh, about him this morning. So go ahead, check it out on Twitter. We dove into his numbers a little bit from the minors and also about how he's fared in his first couple of major league starts. So go ahead and take a look on Twitter there. Spent a good couple hours this morning pulling that one together. So I really appreciate you guys checking it out. Let's start with John Gray. I think uh, he had the best performance yesterday, certainly from a points league perspective. He went seven innings, struck out 12, and only gave up one earned run. He did this against the Tampa Bay Rays, who, as I've touched on uh, at a couple different points on the show, haven't quite performed up to their offensive potential yet, Not as far as I see it. They've been pretty good. They're 29 and 21. From the offensive side, though, 24th in batting average, 24th in hits, 27th in on-base, uh, 16th in home runs. They're kind of middle of the pack-ish so far. They've been very good, eight games above 500, but it hasn't really come from their offense. So John Gray had a great start here, 12 strikeouts. Uh, it's just definitely his season high for strikeouts. The previous high was eight. And he's someone who I'm interested in in deeper leagues. When you get into the shallower leagues, I'm not so convinced I had high hopes coming into the season for him leaving Colorado. I figured that that would do wonders for his value. And to be fair, he's been injured. I think he's had actually two stints on the injured list, I think. So we haven't really given – he hasn't really had a fair shake of it yet this season, really. He's only thrown, what is it, 41 innings. So it's still a little early to be making a full judgments on him. I think that he's all right in deeper leagues. In your standard leagues, I don't know that he's going to be so valuable – he had a great start yesterday, yes, uh, but when you start digging into his advanced numbers here, he gives up a lot of hard contact. He ranks in the bottom 25 percentile for average exit velocity, hard hit percentage. Uh, he's just not really that impressive to me. I really thought uh, we'd see, and again, it's early, but we haven't really seen what I had hoped going into the season. So I'm not dropping him, and I know that he's not like highly rostered. Uh, if you look at his roster percentage, we're talking about, uh, what are we talking about here? 21%. It's gone down quite a bit from where it was at the beginning of the year. And I think it should be higher than 21%. I think he's someone who can have value in your deeper leagues, 14 team and deeper. 
and occasional 12-team streamer value. But, I mean, performances like we saw yesterday are going to be few and far between. Talking 12 strikeouts over seven innings here, that's just, it's just not really him. Uh, we've always seen pretty solid strikeout numbers from him for his career. He's just about at a major league average, a touch above. He's about 23%, 24% strikeout for his career. He is at 22% this season. So we were not seeing anything major outside of last night's appearance that would suggest he's going to have a huge jump in his strikeout numbers. Uh, the velocity is pretty good, but he's not someone who is a massive target for me. Plays for the Rangers, who are a, a pretty poor team. They're not going to be winning too many games for you. And that is a huge factor. We've talked about it with other guys. Uh, in terms of pitchers, it's, it's one of the four categories that a starting pitcher is going to contribute to. When they're not going to have a ton of chances for wins, then you're thinking, okay, it might be tough to roster this guy unless they're elite in the other things that they do. He's good with the strikeouts, but other than that, you're looking at a slightly below average pitcher here pitching for a below average team. So for me, he's not a priority play, but I would understand some people wanting to take a chance on him and add him after yesterday. I'm just not really going to be doing it. There's maybe a couple deeper leagues where I'll take a look and see if he's there. Slightly interested, maybe, but on the whole, he's not someone who I'm going to be too interested in. Let's talk a little bit about Tariq Skubal, who was definitely my biggest miss heading into the season. I did not foresee him having this kind of value, or really any kind of value, but he has been excellent. So let's dive into him a little bit. When you start, well, let's talk about last night first. Uh, he got the victory going seven innings, giving up two hits, while walking one and striking out six against Minnesota at home. Great job he did. Uh, it was probably his best performance of the season, uh, arguably his best performance of the season. Maybe that Baltimore start uh, where he struck out 11 would take the cake. But he threw his most pitches that he's gotten up to, which is 103. And honestly, I, I'm, just, I'm just still really surprised by the fact that he's been able to hold value. And not just hold value, be, be fantastic. And we look at some of the numbers that are really helping there. He's only walking 4.4% of the batters he faces. So he has walked 10 batters in 58 and two-thirds innings. That's fantastic. Major League average is about double that. It's about 8.4%. And, I mean, maybe he won't keep this pace up because in the two previous seasons that he'd been in the majors, we were looking at 7.4 and 8.2%. And, yes, that 2020 season where he was up, it was only for 32 innings. So it, hard to really um, get a proper sample size there. It was the shortened season, and you can't really look at it for data and read too much into it there. So we'll, we'll pretty much throw away the 2020 season. But uh, he's really improved on last year's numbers in terms of the walk. The strikeouts are slightly higher. Hard hit percentage is down from last year by 4%. So overall, we're seeing uh, an improvement here. And if you're looking at his stat cast page, uh, it's honestly pretty impressive. So... He's in the 87th percentile for expected ERA, uh, 90th percentile for walk percentage, 78th for barrel, 76th for strikeouts. He's ranking, for the most part, among the top 25% of pitchers in the league this season. So, again, I've said it already on the show. I missed on him earlier in the year, and I apologize. Uh, it happens. I really did not expect him to be this good. If you look at the ERA compared to the expected ERA, they're about the same, 2.44 and 2.68, respectively. So I think we can expect that he will continue this level going forward. Uh, will the walk percentage go up a little bit? Probably. 4.4 uh, is really low, <clears throat> so I would not be surprised if it goes up a little bit. But he is going to be 
one of the one of the top pitchers in the American League this year, as far as I see it. I mean, there is room for regression a little bit, and <clears throat> he probably will not be this good all year. But at, to this point, he's been one of the best pitchers in the American League, and I thought I would just take the chance again to say sorry about him because he is someone that I missed on. We, and I, I've mentioned this in a couple of previous shows. We will eventually look back on all my predictions from preseason and talk about how they all fared. And Tariq Skubal, I'm thinking, is probably going to be the worst one there. As of right now, uh, I think he's the guy that I missed. Let's talk a little bit about Brian Reynolds. So he's someone I had a lot of questions about in the early going of the season, whether or not he was going to be worth holding on to. And I was saying that, yeah, we should not be giving up so soon on a guy who last season was one of the top players in fantasy, uh, one of the bigger surprises across baseball last season. And he's really started to turn it around these last couple of weeks. Uh, over the last two weeks, he's a 75th-ranked player in category leagues on the backing of four homers, two steals. The batting average is still pretty low at 234, But he did bat over 300 last season, and we have to remember that. We can't so quickly uh, forget what he did last year. And yes, last year was his breakout, and I know people are, are worried, even with regards to like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., about last season being not really real for some players. Guerrero is the one that I've heard it about a lot, and I've also heard it quite a bit about Brian Reynolds. He was fantastic last year. He has not yet replicated it to this point. I'm not worried because most of his stats are pretty similar to what we were looking at last year. Uh, he's still pretty similar in terms of his strikeout and walk percentage. Uh, last year, he was at 18 and 11. This year, we're looking at 21 and 11. So he's striking out a touch more, but that's something that it's within the range, a couple of percent like that. I'm not too worried. Walking, uh, the walk percentage is the same. Sprint speed is very good. Uh, some of the other metrics are a little bit concerning. The exit velocity in particular is a little bit concerning. But I don't think he's someone that you can give up on at this point. He's someone who can steal a lot of bases for you. And yes, he only stole five last year, but we're already up to three through a month and a half or so this season. So we're looking hopefully, probably uh, in the 10 plus steal range. He has eight home runs. You can probably expect about 20. And the batting average will correct itself to somewhere closer to what we saw last year. So it was great to see him last night. He went two for three. He hit a home run and stole a base. Great to see him have more games like that. And I would not be moving on from him. It's, it's too soon. You drafted him too high for us to really be moving on from him. So we're waiting. We've seen it a bit better the last couple of weeks, certainly with a couple of steals and a couple of home runs. Uh, and just based on where you drafted him, you can't really be dropping him yet. So for me, it's, it's going to be a hold. Let's talk about someone who I have pivoted on a little bit and I will be dropping, uh, or who I did drop, I should say, this morning in a couple of leagues, uh, Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers is someone who has disappointed me greatly this season. He got roughed up a little bit last night in, uh, in Coors Field in Colorado he gave up, uh, what was it, five runs in three and two-thirds. <sighs> he might honestly get sent down. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes down to the minors. He's still 76% rostered. It dropped 5% from yesterday. I would expect it to drop even further. He's ranked outside of the top 1,000 for the season. And, yes, that's not the only thing to be looking at. But he's just overall very, very concerning in every single start. The walks are up. The strikeouts are precipitously down. They've gone down from 28 last year to 19 this season. The expected batting average last season against him was 223. This season, 281. The expected slugging against last season was 343. This season, it's 514. A lot of concerning metrics. 
He ranks among the bottom 20% for expected ERA and batting average and in slugging and in barrels. I, I'm, I'm ready to move on. I, I'm, it's unfortunate because of how great he was last year, but I'm, I'm ready to move on from him. Even last year when he was fantastic, it was on the basis of his strikeout numbers, which are gone. Uh, he's not striking out batters anymore. Uh, he didn't win any games for you last year. He won seven games as a starting pitcher who pitched, what did he start, 25 games last season. So even when he's on, he wasn't really winning games for you. He's not striking guys out anymore. Uh, he's, he's, he's done. He's, he's cooked. As far as I see it, he's cooked, and he can be dropped in pretty much every format. Maybe if you're in an extremely deep league, I wouldn't be dropping him if you're in dynasty leagues, but if you're in a deep redraft league, maybe we're going to hold on as well there. Honestly, it's, it's a close one. He's been so disappointing. <clears throat> I would be totally fine moving on from him and picking up a hot free agent. I, no, no problem there. In fact, I'm encouraging it. I think Trevor Rogers should be dropped uh, pretty much pretty much everywhere. They're the odd league where you guys want to ask me a question about or talk about who you would be moving on for him for, I'll happily answer your questions there. And there might be the odd case where I'd say, yeah, just hold on to Rogers, but my God, it's been it's been a terrible nightmare so far this season with him, and I'm and I'm totally good with cutting cutting bait. Let's talk a little bit about Jeffrey Springs. I focused in on him on my article that came out on Sunday, and we'll talk about him a little bit here. So he went five innings, gave up two runs, struck out seven. It was a no decision against the Texas Rangers, but you will take this production happily. Five innings, a couple of runs, seven strikeouts. That's really good stuff for a guy who was pretty much free. Uh, when I talked about him on the weekend in my article, he was 33% rostered on Yahoo and 8% rostered on ESPN. He's now 51% rostered on Yahoo, and we are looking at 18% rostered on ESPN. So people are starting to catch on with him that he is, in fact, going to be a valuable asset. When the Rays have a pitcher who starts to do well, it's pretty much you you take, you grab. Uh and going forward, I, I will not make that mistake ever again. Not that I did with Springs, but I have certainly made it in the past with Reyes and pitching. Drew Rasmussen is an example. I didn't really buy into Drew Rasmussen, but he's been fantastic. Springs is another Rays pitcher who they've kind of taken out of nowhere. And I think he came from uh, the Red Sox, and I think before that it was the Rangers. He was an unknown at in those locations because... They just didn't do much with him. He was just a relief pitcher. He started a couple of games in his rookie season for the Rangers. Since then, he's just been coming out of the pen, and he was very mediocre with Texas, uh, very mediocre with Boston. Mediocre is a, probably a generous way of putting it. And now these last couple of years with Tampa, he's been really great. Last season, we saw him be, be really good, and you look at the strikeout number last year. It was 35%. It's fallen down to 28 this season, still elite. He's pitching to a 1.88 ERA. The expected ERA is 2.98. When you're seeing a discrepancy of about a run there, one way or the other, you're usually looking at pretty accurate production that you can expect to sustain going forward. Springs, I like him. I think he should be added in pretty much every league. He's eligible as a starter and as a reliever, which is not the biggest of deals, but it's just a little bit of added flexibility there, which is nice. He's going to be able to go deep into games if he keeps up what we've seen these last few times out, five and two-thirds, six, five innings. Hopefully, as the season goes on, we'll see him stretched out even further as a starter because he is a relief pitcher. So give him a little bit of time until he starts pitching into the hundreds, and we will start to really get some proper returns there. We've already got some good returns from him, but going forward, uh, I expect just more and more, just better and better out of him. He still is available in a lot of leagues, and I think we, sh we should get on that, guys, for the leagues where he's still available and go and add him. 
we have to just trust the Rays, and we have to trust the production we've seen so far from him. And what we've seen is is fantastic. He is, I think, the 66th ranked player on the season, uh, and he's available in half of the leagues that are out there. He's got a regular starting role on a, one of the better teams in baseball. So uh, I don't think it's, it couldn't be more clear to me that he needs to be added. I would like to see the roster percentage keep jumping up and up and up, and I think it will. So go ahead and add him while you still can. Let's talk a little bit more about the Blue Jays catchers. We did it a little bit yesterday, but Danny Jansen hit a home run yesterday, and he clobbered one, and I think it just further complicates the situation a little bit if Danny Jansen keeps performing. He has seven home runs in 16 games played. Alejandro Kirk had a couple home runs the other night, and we have Gabriel Moreno hitting, I think, 335 in AAA. I really don't know what the Jays are going to do with their catching situation, but it's like I said, it's a good situation to be in. I'm expecting to see one of these guys get traded. And honestly, I'm leaning more towards Alejandro Kirk, but if Jansen keeps hitting like this, then it might be Jansen that they try and maximize value on because Danny Jansen's not this good. He's a good hitter. He's he's a good power threat, I guess. He's not a good hitter. He's typically around like a 200 batting average. He can hit you some home runs. He's good defensively, but this is not really him. So maybe we'll see the Jays try and maximize uh, his his value right now because it's not going to stay this high forever he's only played in 16 games seven home runs uh, he's not going to hit what he's projecting to hit right if you play out the whole season on those averages he's going to hit 60 something 70 something home runs obviously it's not going to happen he's at a pretty much clo- pretty close to an all-time high for value right now and i'd be interested to see if the jays do try and move on from him there vladimir guerrero hit a home run yesterday his first home run that he'd hit in about a week he is someone who people have been very worried about to this point in the season. And yeah, he was drafted as a consensus top five pick, so I do understand there being a little bit of worry. But I, I wouldn't really be, guys. I mean, pitchers have changed the way that they're approaching him to some degree this season. They're giving him more off-speed stuff, less stuff in the zone, obviously. And he's chasing a little bit more than we would like. That being said, he's still among the league leaders in home runs. The batting average will probably get back up there I don't think it will stay around the 250 range that it is right now we've seen it even as recently as a couple weeks ago he went on I think 13 14 game hit streak he gets hot he's he can get very hot and yeah he is in a bit of a downturn right now only six for his last 40 that's really not great but I mean there's no need to be worried here I know people will put the narrative out there that the Jays were playing in minor league ballparks last season and that's what you can attribute the success to. And to those people, I'd say, have you guys seen a great American ballpark and Yankee Stadium and even even the Rogers Center? I mean, it's just small dimensions on the corners there. It's not a it's not a big ballpark by any means. So the people who were saying the Blue Jays and Vladimir Guerrero in particular were successful because of the parks they're playing in, I think that's pretty ignorant, honestly. And I think what we saw out of Vladdy is completely sustainable last season. We'll see him get back to where we would like him to be this year, I am sure, at some point soon. Uh, There's no need to be panic-selling Guerrero. And yes, he had a home run yesterday. No need to be worried about him. Uh, I know some people are worried about him. And as a Blue Jay fan, I am uh, maybe a touch worried. But on the whole, especially for fantasy, you guys have to hold on. There's nothing you can do there other than just ride it out. And he will get better. There's no need to worry that he will get better. Let's talk a little bit about Dakota Hudson. He had a great outing yesterday. He went seven innings through a season-high 104 pitches, struck out three, gave up four base hits, and one earned run. 
24.5 fantasy points on Yahoo. And, you know, some people might be tempted to go and add him here. Good start against San Diego. When you look at his numbers and you start to dive in, there's a lot that I don't like here. So he's got a 296 ERA. And, you know, the average baseball fan will look at that and say, yeah, he's having a good year. But he's only striking out 13% of batters, which is really, really low. It's close to 10% below the league average. He's walking about 11% of batters, which is 3% higher than league average. He gives up, uh, well, not gives up, but the expected batting average against is 286. Expected slugging, 469. These are, these are high numbers, guys. Hard hit percentage, 45%. If you look at his StatCast page, every, and I, for those of you who aren't familiar with StatCast, they're pretty famous in the baseball world for their percentile rankings. A lot of people... Like, there's a lot of stuff on their site that's very useful in terms of pitch usage and speed and batted ball profile and stuff. Uh, StatCast and Fangraphs are both both really great websites. But if you look in the StatCast and their percentile ranking section, which is where they have the balls that are either red or blue or somewhere in the middle, which is more of the white color, in terms of the percentile rankings for the player for the season. I'm sure a lot of you know this, but for the for those of you who don't, just a little bit of a background there. Uh, where blue is bad, white is average, and red is good or great. Every single metric for Dakota Hudson, with the exception of his barrel percentage, which is 59th percentile, every single metric is blue. And a lot of them are hard blue. So that just means that they are in the bottom 20 to 30 percentile, or even worse, like in the bottom 30 percentile of whatever stat we're talking about. So average exit velocity 23rd percentile, hard hit percentage, 17th percentile, expected batting average, 17th, strikeout percentage, 4th percentile, his whiff percentage and chase rate, how often people swing and miss and how often they swing outside of the zone, both in the 2nd percentile, horrid, awful, awful numbers. The 296 ERA translates to a 4.94 expected ERA. So yes, on the surface, he looks kind of nice before you really dig in. Oh, the 296 ERA, 1.32 whip is nothing to write home about, but it's not terrible. You'd think, okay, he's, he's not a bad option here to grab in fantasy leagues. But he is really, truly someone I'm going to stay away from at all costs. It will be tempting after a start like this against San Diego, but no, we, we cannot be fooled. Dakota Hudson has to stay on waiver wires. He's walked 24 batters in 51 innings. That's brutal. It's not something that I really expect to see get that much better either. He averages 11.34 his career, so 11.2 this season, that's that's where he's at. That's who he is. The strikeout percentage hopefully will get a little bit better because 13 is just atrocious. He's a 17% strikeout guy for his career. Still, even if he gets up to 17, I don't know that that's going to do it for me. Uh, it's still below average. There's still a lot better options typically available on most waiver wires, and I just – Overall, I'm staying away from Dakota Hudson. For me, there, there is no, no sensible reason to add him outside of like extremely deep leagues, like really, really deep leagues. Going to talk a little bit about the Giants and the Phillies because that's one of the games that I was talking about yesterday as being one that I was going to be keeping an eye on, and I did suggest sitting Carlos Rodon yesterday. He was pretty good. He was better than I expected. He went five innings, gave up six hits, two runs. Uh, only one of them was earned and struck out six. Now, my main concern, if you guys listened to the show yesterday, was that his last few starts, the strikeout numbers we'd seen progressively getting worse. Three, six, and two. Those were his strikeouts, uh, not progressively in that particular way, but I think you guys know what I mean. He had been, 
leading up to that point on the season, a guy who would strike out double-digit guys on multiple different occasions, 12 a couple different times. He had nine twice. He had eight. He's someone who we expect massive strikeout numbers from. If he's not producing big strikeout numbers, then he's not that valuable. Now, another factor in me wanting to sit him yesterday was playing against Philadelphia. They have not been so fantastic as a team, but they can still go off on offense. They scored five runs. Sorry, they scored six runs yesterday still. They can still score, even though they're a little bit iffy, right? The top half of that lineup, when you're looking at Schwarber and Hoskins and Castellanos and Real Muto, I know they didn't have Harper yesterday, but they're still, still a serious lineup. They are still a serious lineup. And that is why I wanted to stay away from him. He was pretty good. He was fine. If you sat him, it's not going to be a weak ruiner for you. It's not going to be something that's, you know, you can't recover from it. He went five innings. He didn't get a victory. He struck out six guys. He was pretty good. On the whole, though, I was more often than not sitting him yesterday just to avoid that risk because if he's not giving you the high strikeouts, then all you're doing right there is is risking him getting blown up. And he, he, was, he was not bad. To his credit, he gave you six strikeouts. That's pretty solid. He didn't get the victory. Overall, I'm fine. with Looking back on it, I'm fine with the suggestion to sit him there. I, I, I'm not going to be losing any sleep over it. He was good. Now, if he had gone out and thrown seven innings and struck out 13 batters or something, I'd feel pretty bad about it. But I'm, I'm totally good with that call to sit him. Aaron Nola, I was thinking, was going to have a bit of a better outing than he did as his counterpart. He went six innings, struck out five, gave up five earned runs. Really unfortunate. Uh, it was tough. It was the sixth inning, really. Uh, he retired the first 15 batters he faced, and then it was a single, three doubles, and a home run in the sixth inning. It sucks. It's it's kind of who Aaron Nola is. He can be very dominant, and he can also get bad around a little bit. I was more confident starting him yesterday, and he did get the victory, so there is that. Uh, same kind of strikeout numbers, five versus six. The only difference was Nola gave up five earned runs. So I started Nola in the leagues where I had him yesterday and got a little bit burned. I mean, I'm glad I got the victory in the leagues where I did start him in category leagues. But uh, nonetheless, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in myself for starting him there. Not, not the biggest of deals, I don't think. Uh, especially midweek there, you can usually recover. Now that we're heading into the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, specifically once you're talking about Friday, Saturday, you need to really start looking at your categories. And that's something I preach every week. Look at your categories and see what you need going into the weekend before you set your lineups. If you are in a position where your ERA is set, you're at like a sub one ERA or sub two ERA, there's no need to be starting fringy kind of guys or guys who have proclivity. Now, on the other side of that, if your ERA is already terrible for the week, then you don't really have much to lose starting a lot of those guys. Depending on who your opponent is and some of those guys, that's just a general term for fringy fringy kind of players guys who you might start you might sit it really depends on matchup you're not kind of sure you're a little bit iffy if your era is already shot to hell for the week then you can pretty much start those guys it's not going to make too much of a difference you hopefully get a couple more strikeouts hopefully get a win out of them if you're looking for chasing wins in that particular week then you know it's not a big that's something i try to spout off here at least once a week to Really know your categories heading into the weekend. Know what you need. Uh, obviously, if you're in a weekly changes league, this doesn't really apply to you. This is more for guys who set their lineups every single day, which is, which is my favorite type of league. In those cases, you really need to know where you stand. And the major categories for that are obviously batting average on the hitter side is a big one. If you have 
you know, if you're batting 340 for the week as a team and you have a lot of guys who are kind of, you know, your Joey Gallows, right? Uh, your power hitters who hit for a very low batting average. If your average is already good and you're feeling pretty all right about those other categories, then you sit those guys down and you don't really think about it too much. If you're looking for a couple of home runs and the batting average sucks anyway, then a guy like Gallo, you, you start him and it doesn't really matter. Uh, it, just little things like that really make the difference throughout the season when you're talking about winning fantasy championships or or not winning fantasy championships. That is a huge factor. Let's talk now about a couple of interesting pitching matchups. One in particular who I want to focus on here. It's the 6.40 p.m. start time. It's the Giants and the Marlins. We have Alex Wood and Sandy Alcantara. I've talked about Alex Wood quite a bit uh, in articles I've written on the show here on Twitter. He is underperformed, and I really expect it to turn around. I expect his luck to get better. You guys can see all the write-ups I've done on him on Twitter and on sportsethos.com. He has been the unfortunate victim of some bad luck to this point of the season. So he's allowing a 360 batting average on balls in play. For the career, he's at 304. That number will come down. The batting average he's allowing, and because of that, is 286. And he is a 247 guy for his career. That number will come down, no question. It's things like that that really contribute to some bad luck early on. And it doesn't really give you an accurate picture of how he should do. So the ERA and the expected ERA... There's not a massive discrepancy, but 4.81 for the ERA. The expected ERA is 4.38. It's a little bit lower than what it should, or it's a little bit higher than what it should be based on how he's performed. He's still someone that I trust. I trust the Giants. I trust how they develop pitching. Over the years, we've seen them take guys from different locations. Kevin Gosman's, uh, Carlos Rodon this year. And they're able to have a lot of success with these guys. Now, this is not Wood's first season in San Francisco, but still, uh, you give that pitching staff time, that pitching staff, that training pitching team over there time to really work with him, I have no no problem in seeing him hold proper standard league value. He's already a guy with a career 355 ERA. He's had a bit of a struggle. Uh, he's had some struggles to start this season off, but I'm not worried about him. I'm starting him with full confidence tonight against Miami. Sandy Alcantara, we're obviously starting him with more than full confidence his last three outings have been eight innings, nine innings, eight innings, one earned run, zero earned runs, one earned run, and then, of course, the strikeouts. He had 14 of them last time out against Atlanta. The previous two numbers were not so great, seven and five, but they obviously average out with that massive game he had. Alcantara is, is a stud. Uh, he goes deep into ball games. He strikes out a lot of batters. Yes, he's not going to strike out 14 most of them, most of the time but he's still someone who is a strong play. So he's a strong start for me tonight. This is definitely, for me, the most interesting pitching matchup and one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. So 6.40 p.m. Eastern time in Miami, Wood and Alcantara. That, for me, is the most interesting pitching matchup of the night. Let's take a look now at some of the more added and dropped players today. So Matthew Liberatore, he is the number one added player. He's up to 25% rostered on the season. I went into a very deep dive, a 10-tweet long thread about him this morning. I was looking at his minor league numbers, his minor league pitch usage, how that's compared in the majors, and how that's translated into his ground ball and fly ball numbers. 
a lot more than just that. That's just kind of the basic gist of it. But I'm pretty much just trying to evaluate Liberatore on a minors level versus how he's performed in the majors. So overall, if you just want the quick gist, I'm not starting him tonight. I think he's worth adding, but I don't think he's someone who I'm going to be starting until we really see him figure out that walk number a little bit. It's something that he never really struggled with in the minor leagues. I want to see him get that under control before I'm willing to start him. But I think he's a strong add. He's just not a strong start tonight for me. Uh, Keegan Thompson, I think he is a pretty strong start. He has been really fantastic to this point in the season. And, and another surprise, right? Uh, not someone you would have expected this from at all, but through his 40 innings, he's got five victories, 35 strikeouts. He's pitched to a 1.58 ERA. It is a tough matchup against the Cardinals. So I do understand sitting him there. But uh, for me, I'm, I'm pretty confident with the start. Uh, Chris Flexen, not so much. Uh, I was going to dive into Chris Flexen this morning, and then I chose to do Liberatory instead. But Flexen is someone who he's not going to give you a lot of strikeouts. The ERA is suspect. He's just not really an interesting, interesting option to me. I know he's playing the Orioles, so that will lead a lot of people to add because he's playing the Orioles. But for me, he's not someone I'm going to be too interested in here. Edward Cabrera had his first Major League victory yesterday. He got nine strikeouts over six innings against the Rockies. And yes, he is someone who I'm going to be adding. I was a little bit cautious before this start because we'd seen him last year have a bit of a struggle a little bit. Not great. I know he's going to be good, and I know he was really popular last year because of MLB The Show. I don't know if any of you guys who listen to this podcast play MLB The Show. There was a fantastic Diamond Dynasty card for him. I'm not, I'm not like a religious MLB The Show player. But there's a, there was a card that came out in Diamond Dynasty midseason that was one of the better cards in the game, and it was an Edward Cabrera Prospects card. So we got a little bit of hype around him um, in that community anyway from there. If you look at what he actually did in the majors last year, it wasn't too impressive. So I wasn't running to grab him, especially before a Coors Field start. I wasn't running to grab him. What he did was exceptional, and he was throwing 96-mile-an-hour change-ups. Uh, that's... That is bonkers. I don't think I need to elaborate any further on that. That is just ridiculous. If you can throw that consistently, mix that with a fastball over 100, you're going to be very successful. You throw in any kind of whatever decent off-speed pitch, as long as it's not terrible, you know, and you're going to have success throwing like that. So he's someone looking forward to uh, – he's someone I am looking forward to watching, I should say, fumbling over my words there. Usually happens at least once a show. I'll, I'll fumble over my words, if not twice or more. It happens. It does happen. I think that Edward Cabrera is a strong add in all 12-team-plus leagues, and even in 10-team leagues, depending on how deep they are, and depending on who you're dropping, I could definitely be talked into an Edward Cabrera add. So if you guys have any questions, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. If you do have a sit-start question or an add-drop question or trades or whatever, or you want to know if you should pick up Cabrera and who you should drop for him, I am there. I spent... Pretty much all day, every day, looking at baseball numbers, watching YouTube videos, watching actual games, and listening to other people who know more than I do in this industry talk about baseball. So I'm, I'm pretty informed. I try and spend as much time as I possibly can on this. Whenever I'm asked a question, I always go and do a little bit of digging into some numbers before I answer. So always happy to be of service to you guys there on Twitter at JoeOrico99. Also, if I've still got you here at this point of the show, I know I might have lost some of you. But if you could hit the five-star button, it would really help us to grow here in the early going. Small thing you guys can do at home. It takes five, ten seconds at most, and you really help us out. Really put a smile on my face. So, guys, that will do it for our show today. 
We will see you back here tomorrow. We'll preview the weekend. We'll talk about a couple of guys who performed well and didn't perform well today. And we'll give you another pretty standard show tomorrow to wrap up the week. So everybody, hope you all have a fantastic day. I wish you all the success in the world for today in fantasy. And we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everyone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.